Hi, and welcome to the Good Health Podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Good, a registered nutritional therapy practitioner and functional medicine practitioner. Join me as we explore thyroid, brain, and fatigue conditions with positivity. From Hashimoto's to multiple sclerosis, chronic fatigue to adrenal dysfunction, I've got you covered. With expert advice and tips to help you take action now and inspiring real patient stories from successful individuals who refuse to let their health hold them back. Start your journey to good health today. And don't forget to come and join the conversation on Instagram at good underscore health, that's G-O-O-D-E. Or visit my website at NicoleGoodHealth.com to find out more. Hi, and welcome to the Good Health Podcast. I'm your host and functional medicine practitioner, Nicole Good. And today we're going to be jumping into goitrogens and Hashimoto's. It's well known that chemicals in beauty and skincare products, as well as things like the pans that we cook with, can act as disruptors for people with thyroid conditions. But what about these food goitrogens? Because there's been some conflict around whether or not they're beneficial. So goitrogens are linked to the thyroid and to iodine, and they are defined as any substance that disrupts the production of thyroid hormones by interfering with the uptake of iodine in the thyroid gland. What happens then is that the pituitary in the brain releases TSH and promotes the growth of thyroid tissue. This can lead to a goiter. Now, what is important to note is that there are food goitrogens and there are chemical goitrogens. So we're going to start with looking at the food ones. And in a moment, we'll jump into the chemical goitrogens. But we really need to consider the two separately because they are entirely different things. So let's take the food goitrogens. This is an area where you will find practitioners who are still recommending that you avoid the food goitrogens. And what has happened here is that some studies have actually been done and they've been done in a test tube. And these practitioners are using the results of those. And they were also done quite some time ago. But the latest research that has been done has been done in humans. And this shows that the same problems of inhibiting iodine uptake into the cells doesn't occur in the human body in the same way that it does in a test tube. And actually, there are really huge benefits to thyroid patients from the nutrients that are found in goitrogens. So if we look at goitrogenic foods, they're things like cruciferous vegetables. So we have cassava, lima beans, lentils, sauerkraut, sweet potato, cabbage, kale, as well as things like fruits, like strawberries, peaches, pears. And that's just a sample of the list of these goitrogenic foods, but you can see they're also really, really healthy foods. So one study that was done actually tested a broccoli drink. Now broccoli is a goitrogen. And they found actually that there was no impact in the human body to iodine uptake, but the huge benefits were found to inflammation in the body and the support of detoxification pathways, because that's what we get from eating broccoli in the diet. So the goitrogenic foods are actually not found to cause the goiter or disrupt T3 and T4 in vivo, so in the human body. And this is really important because trials between being in vitro in test tube and being in vivo in human body are very different. And we do need to take the human body trials into consideration. It was also found in these human trials that these particular foods also had huge benefits to immune health and inflammation. So food goitrogens actually increase glutathione levels in the body. Glutathione is your master antioxidant, so it protects against oxidative stress. So if you imagine oxidative stress is like the body's version of rust, then glutathione as your master antioxidant is protecting you against this. 
So elevating glutathione is really important in thyroid patients to protect the thyroid from damage. Also important in Hashimoto's as well. So goitrogenic foods help with excessive iodine uptake in the thyroid. It turns on glutathione levels. It turns on antioxidant properties. And they don't actually compete with iodine to the point where it impacts thyroid hormone promotion. So the advice really should be that you want to consume goitrogens as foods. So why is this still coming through sometimes as a wrong message from practitioners? Well, it's mostly people and practitioners who are not keeping up with the research. So the research done that they're using on avoiding these foods, a lot of it was done around sort of the 1950s. This was when it was widely believed that not eating goitrogens was going to be beneficial for people with hypothyroidism. And this really is because the main thinking was that iodine deficiency was the main cause of all hypothyroid cases. However, later research and human research has shown that actually excess iodine is a cause of Hashimoto's. So not a deficiency, but actually an excess. Now, if we take into consideration that 90 to 97% of hypothyroid cases are Hashimoto's, you can see the problem. So the initial research, we're going back to the 1950s initial research, showed that not eating goitrogens was beneficial for people with hypothyroidism. Bearing in mind a lot of this at the time was test tube trials. And that the main thinking around that was that this iodine deficiency was the main cause of hypothyroidism. Later research has shown that actually 90 to 97% of those hypothyroid cases are Hashimoto's. And actually Hashimoto's has the main cause as being excess iodine. So the amount of foods that you would actually also need to eat to have this goitrogenic effect is also very excessive. And in trials, as we said, you know, the test tube results very, very different to the human trials. So we've got to take into consideration various different things here. We've got to look at Actually, you would need to eat really excessive amounts of these goitrogenic foods and the benefits that you get from eating them is beneficial. We also have to look that actually a lot of these trials were done in test tube and the human trials are showing very different results. We also have to consider that a lot of the research is outdated and we need to take the most up-to-date and science-led research that we can. We also need to consider that hyperthyroid is very different to Hashimoto's and Hashimoto's is 90 to 97% of all hyperthyroid cases. So that's food goitrogens, but let's take a quick look at chemical goitrogens because they're a very different matter. The main problem with chemical goitrogens is there's actually no benefit to them. So unlike with the foods where we're, we're getting those benefits, we're getting that increase in glutathione, we're getting lots of antioxidants, we're getting lots of nutrients, there's no benefit to chemical goitrogens. But beyond dietary resources, individuals you know, can be exposed quite regularly to goitrogenic chemicals in their environments. And these can include things like industrial pollutants, pesticides, certain chemicals found in beauty and personal care products. And some of the chemicals in beauty products, such as phthalates and parabens and triclosan, they're, they're known as endocrine disruptors. And endocrine disruptors can interfere with the normal functioning of the endocrine system, including the thyroid gland. So functional medicine approaches will often include supporting the body's natural detoxification pathways to help you to detoxify these chemicals. This can include dietary interventions. It might promote a nutrient-dense anti-inflammatory diet and also recommending practices that are going to help support that liver health and those detox pathways. But let's take BPA as an example. So bisphenol A is 
the chemical a chemical compound that is commonly used in the production of plastics, epoxy resins, and other consumer products. And while BPA has been widely utilized by the manufacturing industry, lots of concerns have arisen regarding its potential impact on human health. Now around 90% of the population these days have BPA in excessive amounts in the body. We drink out of plastic, our food is packaged in plastic, you know, some people cook in plastic. We are surrounded by plastic. If our detoxification pathways are not working optimally, it can be really difficult for our body to eliminate BPA. And BPA is known to act as an endocrine disruptor. So it mimics the effects of hormones in the body. And this disruption can interfere with the normal functioning of the immune system, potentially leading to an overactive response that triggers autoimmune reactions. BPA has also been linked to the development of goitrogenic effects. So BPA exposure can impact the body's detox pathways and clearance mechanisms. And it adds another layer to the potential health effects associated with the chemical. So the liver is a key organ involved in detoxification, and it's where BPA is metabolized and prepared for elimination. However, the metabolic breakdown of BPA can sometimes result in the formation of more toxic metabolites that can challenge the body's detoxification processes. So it can actually impair the detox processes that we need to be able to eliminate the BPA. And one of these things is glutathione. So glutathione is, a, is this powerful antioxidant. It's present in the liver and it plays a crucial role in detoxification. It binds to and neutralizes harmful compounds, including the BPA metabolites. Now we know from eating some of those goitrogenic foods, you are going to get an increase in glutathione. This is a really positive thing. But actually with the chemicals, we can see the opposite happening. And we really need that glutathione. So prolonged or excessive exposure to BPA can actually deplete your glutathione levels. That compromises the liver's ability to efficiently clear the toxins from the body, including the BPA itself. So this imbalance can contribute to the persistence of BPA and its metabolites in the system. So you can see how it's very different. With the food, we're getting a lot of benefits. With the chemicals, we're just getting negative impact. Also, the body eliminates BPA primarily through urine. However, the process of clearance can be really slow. And if those detoxification pathways are overwhelmed or they're compromised, then BPA and its metabolites can accumulate in the body. So there's lots of reasons why there is a huge difference between food goitrogens and chemical goitrogens. And as you can see, the latest, you know, the latest research really shows that eating the food goitrogens is beneficial and has lots of benefits, particularly to people with Hashimoto's, which, like I said, is 90 to 97% of all hypothyroid cases. But there are no benefits to the chemical goitrogens. In fact, there's more negative impact from them other than just the fact that they are a goitrogenic compound. So we work regularly with clients on hormones and detoxification with steps to support liver health, to enhance those detoxification pathways, to maintain a really balanced diet, rich in antioxidants, make sure you're staying adequately hydrated and promoting a healthy lifestyle, as well as reducing those chemical goitrogens. So we really want all out with the old advice and in with the latest science-led research. We want the benefits of goitrogenic foods. We don't want the impact of chemical goitrogens. So it really is important that you understand the difference, particularly if you've got a thyroid condition. But anyway, you know, these things impact hormones in everybody. But if you've got a thyroid condition, it's really important to know the benefits of goitrogenic foods and the impact of chemical goitrogens and what the difference is. So thank you for joining me today on the Good Health Podcast. This is a topic that we are going to delve into in more detail in future episodes. 
But if you are keen to support your detoxification pathways, you can find our detoxification plan on our website or in the show notes below. And if you want to work with me, you can join the Mitoimmune Way, our three-month health optimization journey. And again, you'll find the links for that in the show notes. I'll see you next week on the Good Health Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Good Health Podcast. Do share the episode with anyone who you think it may benefit or who may enjoy it and help me spread the word by rating the episode or leaving a review. If you want more, you can find other episodes in the series on your podcast app or sign up to my free newsletter. Not only will you get information on new episodes launching, but we cover lots of health topics with the Ask Nicole section where you can send in your questions, my favorite recipes, my favorite products, tips and tricks to help you on the road to good health and much more. You can sign up free of charge at nicolegoodhealth.com forward slash newsletter, also linked below. I hope you have a lovely week. Don't forget to hit subscribe and I'll see you next time.